Yes, sir. Kyle and DJ on the mic. Gambling Feud. Partner with Coda Sports Gambling Network. Hitting bets. Hitting checks. Hitting checks. Hitting necks. I bet. Let's hit some bets. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, like I'm a pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers, locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, like I'm a pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers. Welcome, everyone, to the Gambling Feud podcast presented by the Coda Sports Gambling Network. We are on episode 41. As always, the Gambling Feud podcast is sponsored by Moneyline Dice. Let's get rolling. My name is Kyle Comish. You can find me on Twitter at Comdog. And joining me, as always, for 41 episodes in a row, my cousin and co-host at DJ Low 4422 on Twitter, DJ Luch. DJ, how are we doing today? Doing well, Kyle. We are approaching the Christmas season, yet it is was 70 degrees yesterday in Des Moines. So I'm I'm loving the weather and uh, loving life. A lot of things happening at the network and in sports in general. So it's a good time. We got our first Saturday NFL games coming up. So I'm hyped for that. I always love me a a good Saturday NFL game. And then we got bowl season. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting time. What about you? You know what? It's it's great. Like you said, the weather's so weird. So, like, it's December and, like, Sioux City's supposed to get like severe thunderstorms. So like I just I I do, if you're not in Iowa and you don't understand like Iowa weather is just weird. But yeah, no, it's 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 good and like I said, it's a great time to be a sports better. You get a lot of stuff going on. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I I don't know. This could be global warming or we could be getting hammered when it comes to January and February and March. Because we're due for snow. I mean, we're due for it. So oh, yeah. either we're going to get a lot of it or we're not going to get any of it. I don't know what's going on. But I guess I'm just sitting back and I'm I'm enjoying the warm days and hoping that it's not something serious that's causing that. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, DJ, I had a little something exciting happen for me. I actually went to my first uh, NFL game last Thursday. I had boots on the ground in Minneapolis. Uh, Vikings and Steelers Thursday night football game all my friends are Viking fans except for one who's a Steelers fan and then I'm obviously the oddball being a Tennessee Titans fan and you know my friends were telling me do you want to wear this Vikings jersey I'm like nah and my Steelers friend is like do you want to wear the Steelers jersey I said no I said I just want to sit back watch some good football it was a great time uh took a took a train to the stadium which is kind of interesting and then we actually got to the stadium and we saw the uh the NFL network crew with uh, Steve Smith, Joe Thomas, and Michael Irvin were actually uh, right by the stage. So we were actually right by the stage. So you could uh, see a little bit of us at least for a good chunk of it. I know if you were in the Midwest, um, you you saw the Fox one, but NFL network was still there. It was really, really cool. Uh, Michael Irvin is just an oddball. Like he, he was a <laughs> really, really weird dude. He was the, he was the first one out and he made a, video for Deion Sanders and he had the whole crowd get involved with that so that was pretty cool and then he's it was the weirdest thing he was just sitting there he was taking pictures with fans and stuff like that then all of a sudden he grabs a bag of Fritos and just starts eating Fritos in front of everybody just 
chilling, talking, everyone eating Fritos. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, yeah, that's I. I guess I'm. Yeah, I really don't know what to say. That's that's crazy. Um, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, that's that's funny stuff right there. That's. I, I, I bet that whole experience though. I mean, you got to go to the new stadium and all that. Just off of that, I mean, that'd be that'd be a really cool experience. And yeah, I, I bet I bet that was wild. Uh, how was the stadium? You know, it was actually. I was kind of figuring it was going to be uh less busy for a Thursday night game it was pretty packed and you know I I didn't know what the percentage of like Viking fans to Steeler fans because Steeler fans travel well so I was I didn't know what the percentage would be but I'd say it was probably 60 40 I mean there was a ton there's a ton of Steeler fans there but no it was a really really great game it was kind of funny just seeing like the different reactions throughout the game because if you watch Thursday night game the Vikings went up 26 nothing so the Steeler fans were very very quiet but then all of a sudden the Steeler fan, the Steelers started coming back and you could hear the Steeler fans. You could hear the terrible towels and then Viking fans were really, really quiet. And actually the very last play of the game where uh, Pat Fryermuth dropped that uh, game tying touchdown or whatever, we were right by that end zone. So it was really, really crazy and stuff like that. And everyone was talking about, and I'm sure you saw it too, when Chase Claypool got the first down rather than, getting the ball down to spike and he was celebrating stuff like that at the stadium you couldn't see that oh like, really yeah we, we we couldn't see what chase claypool was doing we just saw it took about 10 15 seconds to get the ball and we're like what the heck's going on why is it taking so long to get the ball snapped and stuff like that so no that was it was crazy but no great great really exciting game and stuff like that uh flow rider performed at the halftime show so we actually got to see him perform a little bit so yeah really really good experience my first time yeah, that flow riders. Uh, I used to bang to flow rider. I mean, like his music. Days. Yeah, his music just slapped uh, back in the old days. Uh, he had so many classics. So yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty sick. Uh, all all around, sounds like an awesome experience, and it's good to have boots on the ground. It was good. Good Viking dub needed it. Yeah, that's what that's a Viking fan seem to seem to think, and then uh. One thing that I didn't realize, like how kind of cool it is, is the skull chant. I just, you see it on TV, you're like, oh, not that big of a deal. If you witness it in person, that's really freaking cool. Yep. Yep. No, that, that was part of the skull chant as well. Um, I think when I was there, they had Jared Allen. Um, and he was just, he was just, a, oh my, he was so good. Uh, he'd get a sack and he hog time. And yeah, the last time I went, I went with my dad, and it was actually at the old stadium, obviously. Uh, but they were good that year and just it was just fun. It was an exciting environment. I don't think you realize how big the players are until you're actually at the game. Yep. Like when they got down on the goal line, my dad's like, oh my gosh, that's like four steers out there. Holy crap, those guys are big. Like <laughs> he instantly relates it to farming, which was funny. But it was like, you know, you got four or five of those guys add up to one steer, and they, you know, you got eight guys on each side. It's a lot he's just like that's so much beef holy crap he just couldn't he couldn't <laughs> believe it because on tv they don't look that big because i don't know it's it's weird but when you see him in person you're like holy crap like these dudes are massive these dudes are incredibly big yeah yep and and that's exactly right and yeah your dad relates everything to farming but doesn't <laughs> literally like if you think he can't you're, you're wrong like give him any topic it should be like a, a show it should be a tv show like just give this man a random topic and see how we can relate it to farming. And I bet he shoots almost a hundred percent. 
Oh yeah, for sure. For sure he does. I can attest to that. He had a hilarious Kyle Rittenhouse take. It was it was something about how he's like, he's like, I've been in his position. And I look at him, I'm like, what? You've been in his position? He's like, oh, I've been backed up, pinned by a steer. He's like, and if I had a gun, <laughs> I'd have to shoot him. I'm just like, oh my gosh, how did you relate that? How is this a thing? Like, it just, the whole conversation was just like, oh, I've been in his position. I'm like, what have you been at a riot and had a gun and had to shoot someone? Oh, no, I've never been in that type of position. I've been backed up by a steer. It was it was hilarious. And I was just like, this dude's ability, it's it's one to yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. God. That's so funny. Oh, uh, well, I, I tell I tell you what, DJ, so we're going to talk about this kind of in uh in detail but uh a game of elite eight contest getting some serious serious hype right now first round is complete we're starting round two later on in the show we'll kind of give our thoughts about each match each matchup go over the results and stuff like that but just any overall thoughts dj but besides when we talk about it overall uh yeah no i think it's been fun i think everyone's been kind of hyped for it and i think there's a lot of outside people uh that have been getting involved and getting hyped and just a lot of people are following along to it which is cool and i you know I, obviously it was our it's our first year doing this so there's going to be some hiccups and you know it's not going to go perfectly but i think it's gone pretty well so far and i think it's been super fun I, I wish more people did better our contestants have been struggling a little bit um but still it's been super fun and i think everyone's been super pumped about it and yeah it's just everyone's been talking smack and yeah, it's been it's been good stuff so far. So I, I'm I'm very pleased with how it's going, and I think it's it's we're just getting there. We're we're getting to the final four now, and it's it's going to turn up, and it's going to be it's going to be a wild finish. That's for sure. Absolutely, no. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and we got a good system here, and uh, yeah, and yeah, we've made we've made mistakes, and we understand that. But like, uh, uh, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but it's been it's been fun. So we're. Uh, looking forward to it, but we got a jam-packed show before we get to it. So let's let's get rolling. Let's start the show with our takes. So our takes is me and DJ just talking about random things in sports. So um, so sorry. So DJ, we got some Notre Dame fans that have some really serious beef for the College Football Playoff Committee. They they're saying that Notre Dame was ten and one with their only loss being to Cincinnati, who is a College Football Playoff team. Georgia is 11-1 with their only loss being to Alabama, also a college football playoff team, who got slapped, mind you. And Notre Dame lost by, I think, three or four to Cincinnati. So Notre Dame fans are arguing that Notre Dame's strength schedule is way tougher than Georgia's. And after Georgia's blowout loss to Alabama, they should be in the playoff over Georgia. So I guess my question for you is, DJ, is do Notre Dame fans have a legitimate argument about this? I mean, I'll just get the elephant out of the room. I'm biased, so hell no. They have no legitimate argument. I, they, they don't play in a conference. And I think we touched on this before, but when you don't play in a conference, you don't build those like rivalries, those matchups. And like, for like, for instance, Alabama, Auburn, like that rivalry, like those coaches know each other's playbooks. They know, they know so much in-depth details that you don't get unless you have to play each other every single year. And so in a down year for Auburn, that's not a walk in the park game for Alabama. Like, and you saw it this year, like, I, I think this was kind of a down year for Auburn. Like they were still decent, but they weren't, you know, they weren't a powerhouse by any means yet. They almost beat Alabama. Like they, they were close. They were closer than Georgia was. 
and it's just the that 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 creates a harder schedule when you have to play those teams every single year and they kind of you know they get a feel for you you get a feel for them and it's just it creates tougher matchups and I think Notre Dame not being in a conference, it takes that part of it away. Sure, they play USC every year and they play, you know, there's a bunch of schools that they play every year, but it's not the same. Uh, and I just, and then to the fact of like, you're using Alabama or Georgia's one loss to Alabama as the reason why they should be out and you lost to Cincinnati. Like, what? no, you lost to Cincinnati. Like you lost to a team that was in it. And on the flip side, like Georgia steamrolled everybody this season, except for Alabama. Like it, it's ridiculous. And I don't think Notre Dame had that strong of a schedule, in my opinion. Like, they played Cincinnati. What was their second toughest game? USC? USC uh, or Stanford, probably. Purdue? Like, come on. Get out of right. here. You guys didn't play anybody. So, yeah, no, it's not a legitimate argument. And Notre Dame fans are just the worst. Um, I Yeah, I don't even want to get into that. My dad hates Notre Dame. It's hilarious. So, I'm like, Dad, you're, you're a strong Catholic, like. Shouldn't you like Notre Dame? He's like, no, they're fake Catholics. They don't, they're, they're a bunch of liberals. They don't even believe the Catholic faith. He gets, he gets all hot and bothered by it. So it's funny stuff. So, but yeah, I just, I've never liked Notre Dame because they're not in a conference. Like, why are you in a conference for basketball, but you can't be in a conference for football? And it comes down to money. They have a deal with NBC. All their games are televised on NBC and they get paid a ton. So like from a financial standpoint, it makes sense. But like, if you want to be, you know, regarded as a real team, join the ACC, join the ACC, play in the ACC, you beat Clemson, you beat Wake Forest, you beat Pittsburgh, it's all yours. Like, you can't tell me that if they don't win the ACC, they're not in. Because I think that they would be in the college football. Like, it's like, I mean, so, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on it. But what, what are you thinking on this? The college football playoff committee should have the best four teams in the playoff. And Notre Dame is not a top four team by any stretch of the imagination. And I – Honestly, like strength of schedule sometimes that argument is BS because it can be skewed in so many different ways too. But like like you said, DJ, like there's no rival. I think their biggest rivalry is Stanford, which I mean or how USC, big a rivalry. But I don't know if it's USC's biggest rivalry. You know what I right. mean? So it's a one-sided. Yeah. Ex- mm-hmm. Exactly. So like there's there's that. And then like you think about like players and like every every team in the playoff has that player. You got Bryce Young, you got Aiden Hutchinson, you got Jordan Davis, and you got Desmond Ritter. Who's the best player in Notre Dame? Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams would get steamrolled in the SEC. It's not even, it's not even close. In my opinion, Ohio State should have been ahead of Notre Dame. Oh, like Notre, sure. Dame, Notre Dame should be happy they they were they were a five seed. No, Notre Dame. Is and I hate using this comparison, but it's true. They're a lot like Oklahoma when it comes to the college football playoff. They will get schmacked if they were if they're in the playoff. I guarantee, I guarantee, if they would have gotten the four seed and played Alabama, it would have been like a forty nothing, forty to ten game or something like that. I mean, they would have got slapped. So no, I think they should be happy because they're gonna play. Um, they're gonna play in a, a New Year's Six game still against a team not as good as a playoff team, and they might have a chance of winning. So no, I don't think they have a legitimate argument because they don't have the players to win a college football playoff team, and they're not a top four team. Yeah, I, I, and I really like that Ohio State argument because I think if Ohio State and them match up, I think Vegas has Ohio State by at least seven, at least a touchdown oh, for sure. Like so, it's like, bro, you're not even the favorite in this game, like, and you think you should be in over them. Like it, you beat Cincinnati, you're in though. That's the thing. 
Like you mm-hmm. had your chance. You had your chance. You didn't capitalize. I don't know what you want. Like it is what it is, bud. You got to win those games. You have to win that game. Is that at and- home for Notre Dame? Do you remember? Yes, I do. Believe. I want. I thought it was. I thought Cincinnati I was on so. the road. I was hundred percent certain that Cincinnati was on the road because I was almost against betting the the home dog, but I was like, you know what? Screw it. Notre Dame sucks. Go Cincinnati. It was a great bet. Yep, it it was, and yeah, it's. I I still laugh because I took them in our college football team draft. I remember <laughs> you went nuts. I took them in the third round. It worked out for me, they but I didn't up. like do. I didn't like doing it, but. It, it did work out for me. But like I said, no, they don't deserve to be in the playoff. Yep. Yeah, spot on. So, I don't know. Have you seen uh, Justin Jefferson's tweet at all? It's been kind of trending about Odell. Oh, uh, yeah. You might have to tell tell everyone about it. Yeah. Um, I don't have the exact tweet. I can just kind of paraphrase. But basically, Justin Jefferson said, like, you see what Odell's doing. Y'all are clowns for thinking he was the problem, essentially. Um, so like, cause people are saying, you know, is Baker Mayfield the problem or is, uh, Odell the problem? And then Justin Jefferson tweets <laughs> after, after, uh, Justin Jefferson tweets after the big game that Odell had that, like, it's clearly like you're clowns. If you think that Odell was the problem, he's clearly not. Uh, so is, is Justin Jefferson right about the situation? Yes and no. I mean, the Rams are vastly better football team than the Browns are. And that's, I don't care. And just, they, they just are like Matt Stafford has been proving me wrong. I thought he would be an absolute bust on the Rams. He's been doing good. I mean, that defensive line they got there, the secondary, I mean, the Rams are legit and yeah. Odell had a really, really nice game and stuff like that. But like I said before, he's had character issues before he had character issues on the giants. And that's why he got booted from there. And I'm not going to defend Baker Mayfield. I know he's an Oklahoma guy, but like Baker Mayfield, yeah, I can understand the frustration and stuff like that. But I mean, blame the Browns organization for not only bringing you in, but bringing Jarvis Landry and bringing a bunch of other guys, taking away your targets. I guarantee you they don't do that. He would be targeted a lot more than what he was. But I think he has a lot of character issues that has caused problems with teams before, but I don't know if he is the problem in any of those teams. Yeah, no, spot on. I think when we covered this originally, we had both kind of agreed that they were both at fault. You know, Odell was at fault and uh, Baker was at fault. Like they're both problems and that relationship's never going to work. Those two guys. Uh, And I think the major thing with this is the situation of Odell has changed completely. I mean, he went from being the number one option on a team to now he's number two, number three. Uh, And that takes a lot of pressure because teams are, Teams are game planning for Cooper Cup. They're not game planning for Odell. Right. And now Odell's thriving. And I think as a number one option, if that if Odell's going to be a number one, he has to get a bulk, like a ton. He has to get at least 10 targets. And he, he wasn't getting that with the Browns. So now that he's with the Rams and he's the number two option and teams are game planning for Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup's still doing his thing, it gives Odell a chance to, you know, pop off. So, like, I think the situation is perfect for Odell, and I think it proves that Odell can play on a team, but I think he needs to be on the right team, the right situation. Um, it's just, Not yeah, on. yeah, that's that's how – that's my thoughts. So, I mean, is J.J. right? Sort of. Um, I don't I don't know. I guess anyone that – I guess if people were writing off Odell being able to play in the NFL, they're clowns because clearly he can play. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, to, for him to flourish, I think he needs to be in the right situation. No, very, very, very well said. That was 
well put. And like you said, he's people who think he can't play in the NFL are ridiculous. He can definitely play in the NFL, but he definitely is not a a character great person by any stretch of the imagination. He has his issues, but there's definitely um, other things to go with it. But uh, yeah, so, so that'll do it for our takes. Let's do a segment, DJ, we haven't done in quite a bit of time, the random poll. So how this works is we're going to give a question and me and DJ might give one or two answers and we'll tweet it out. And if we gave good answers, let us know. If we gave terrible answers, also let us know. But uh, this one is based off of um, EA Sports is releasing college football games again. It is official. It's hoping to be dropped in 2023. So the question is, is if EA Sports continued doing it, if they never stopped making it, what former college football player would you have liked to play as during that time? So, uh, DJ, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'll start. First off, great question, Kyle. Uh, I love this question. This was genius, so props to you there. Thank um, you. And then I guess my only problem with answering this question is there's a community of dudes who every year make the new college football roster, and they've been doing it since the game got canceled. So I've actually been playing with the new rosters every year. So like I, I I've played with every single one of these like guys. Uh, so like for me, technically the rosters have been updated and it's kind of cool. If I look at my like roster history, I have like, I just call them 2k, whatever. So I have like 2k 14, 2k 15, 2k 16, 2k 17. So I can go all the way back to the OG 2k 14 roster and play with, you know, Denard Robinson. or I guess Denard Robinson would have been on it, but you know, like one of those guys that was on the OG one um Derrick Henry or someone like that you know and then I can go play like 2k17 and play with Kyler Murray you know guys are 2k18 play with Kyler Murray so it's like that, that part's pretty cool that I have that set up um but if I had to choose some guys I would choose first Lamar Jackson would hands down be one of the coolest guys to play with on that game because on that game speed kills and Lamar Jackson was just crazy athletic so and that Louisville team wasn't even that good like he made them good mm-hmm. so I think that would have been a fun fun guy to play with and then uh, honorable mention would have been the LSU team because they had Justin Jefferson, who would have been awesome to play with. But then they also had Jamar Chase. Like, those two guys played together. So you would have had Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. And Clyde, Clyde edwards yeah. yeah. Like, that team would have been insane with NFL talent. That would have been a really fun team to play with. Um, but, yeah, so that those are my two answers. Um, what, what would your people have been for that? So I have, I have a couple, there's a bunch of guys I was thinking of, but just thinking back on like all the guys, probably the player that I definitely would have wanted to play as is Marcus Mariota. I mean, Mariota, like you said, if you, if you play college football, if you have a really, really fast QB, that's just tough to guard. But I mean, Mariota was fast in college. I mean, the dude could scoot. He was tough to guard, could pass really well. And he won the Heisman by the third largest margin in history. So, I mean, the dude was a beast. He would have been great on that game just tough to guard. So definitely a guy I would have wanted to play. My honorable mention is Joe Burrow. So the reason for that is like when I do my franchise where I play as whoever and stuff like that, I recruit pocket passers for the reason that a lot of times when you recruit high school people that are dual threat, they're not as good at his passing because they're more focused on their running abilities and stuff like that. So I would always recruit pocket passers. Joe Burrow was like, we've made arguments before that Joe Burrow had one good season. He went from being a nobody to a number one pick all of a sudden, but I mean, that season he went off and I just think he would have been so fun to play as, like I said, that whole LSU team also including all the guys you mentioned, plus Thaddeus Moss, that defense is really, really solid. I mean, Patrick Queen, Patrick Queen. Yeah. All 11 guys on, 
on their offense made an NFL roster. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah, that's wild. But yeah, it's not all those guys. Joe Burrow for sure would be the guy I'd want to play as. But definitely my number one is Marcus Mario, and my honorable mention, Joe Burrow. That's uh interesting that you say you recruit pocket passers because I don't. I I like the athletes. I pocket oh, really? passers they're just too slow. Like they maybe they have a cannon, but they they you need to be able to buy time and get out of the pocket. I feel like that's when some of the biggest plays happen is buying time, getting out. So I I love the ninety speed dudes with like ninety throw power and then like. 78 accuracy their accuracy is terrible and there's gonna be multiple times in the game where you get really upset at him because he makes a terrible throw uh but i think those guys are just more dynamic and you can do a read option bust off an 80 yard run with your quarterback and it's like this is sweet this is college football like i love it so yeah i still i still play pretty heavily i mean uh a couple of the high and inside boys have a have a team have a couple teams and so yeah no it's it's fun and it's it's a great game like the graphics are so bad but the gameplay itself is insane. And yeah, I, I lo- yeah, it, yeah, dude, like I, I'm so glad I have my PS3 still and I'm able to play because it, yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. It's a great, it's a great game. And there's nothing to me that like I enjoyed more than when I was like a, like a head coach and recruiting. I loved recruiting. That was so fun. You got like so many points and you can use like a lot of points on one recruit to try and get them, but then you lose other recruits and stuff like that. And there have been so many times where I'm like neck and neck with one other school and I just use all of my points in that recruit and I still don't get them. It's yep. just like, come on and stuff like that. But no, I'm excited for that to come back for real. Yeah. I think I was talking about it with the hide inside boys, but it's just the bar is set really high. Like we're expecting a really great game. So I feel like there's a high chance for, you know, kind of getting upset at how bad the game is like, it's like when one of your favorite artists is going to drop a new album, you're really hyped for it. You're like, this is my favorite artist. And if it's not a great album, like maybe it's just a good album, it kind of stinks because you were so hyped for it. And I'm a little worried that's what's going to happen with this game. Because I've been, like I said, I've been playing 2013 every single, like that 2013, 2014 game for seven years now. It's been right. like, I've been playing every, like I play it every year. I download the newest roster. Shout out to that, that group though. Um, they're like a group of like 20 guys that go through and do the rosters. I mean, dedication right there. Um, and, and the roster are pretty accurate. Like they're, they're pretty good. Like I really don't have many complaints. So, but I'm just a little worried that it's going to, it's going to be a bust because like you mentioned that dynasty mode and recruiting is so like, you have to get that right. And on the 2013, 2014 one, I think they did get it right. Like I think recruiting isn't easy by any means, but there's definitely a way to do it. And I've perfected that skill, obviously, through seven years. I hope I'd be pretty good at it, right? Um, so, yeah, it's it, – but, yeah, I'm a little worried that I'm a little too hyped for it and they're going to let me down. I don't know. What are you – are you are you a little worried about that, Kyle, or no? No, I, I, I definitely am because, like, when something's so perfect, it's tough when you want to, like – you got to change it for, like, today's game and stuff. like Because, like, look at Madden. Like, every single year they're trying to make – the tackling more realistic or the tackles more realistic and stuff like that. And I just think they're going to try and change too much. I hope they keep the basic features of the game, right? Your road to glory, your franchise mode, your what have you and stuff like that. I hope they keep all that right because that was something that got people to play the game. Like if you got to change the graphics, like so be it, whatever and stuff like that. But I mean, don't ruin what's already working. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like the explosive plays is one thing they're really good at. Like 
in Madden, I feel like it's really hard to bust off a, a big run, at least on like the hardest difficulties. Whereas like I can on the hardest difficulty Heisman, you can bust off a 99 yard run. Like it's just pot. It's just, it's, it's really easy. It's not like, and like, that's because that's how college is. College is very big play oriented. Whereas mm-hmm. the NFL is like, it's really not like when you see a 50 yard touchdown, you're like, holy crap. Like that, that was a huge play. Whereas like, that's kind of like, you're going to see one of those in a college football game, like, or a 50 yard pass. Like you're going to see a massive play every single game. Yeah. Um, and so I think they need to keep that kind of as a thing of like, yeah, you can do a simple read option play and take it to the house because that's college football. That's just what happens. There's an absolute night and day difference between Heisman mode on college football and all Madden on Madden. It's not even close to the difference between the two. Like, like I always play Madden with my, with my buddies and like the second highest difficulty is all pro. I'm winning all pro games like 40 to 10, yep. but, then I'm, but then I'm playing all Madden. I'm losing games all of a sudden. I mean, there's just such a huge difference in that. Whereas like Heisman level NCAA, like you can win, you can still win a national championship at that level. Yeah, I've taken a lot of terrible teams and won national titles on Heisman. Um, but, like, I'm also consider myself the GO. But that that concept you're talking about in Madden, it's crazy accurate, though. Like, you can literally destroy teams and then move it up one difficulty, and it's the opposite score. Like, you get destroyed. It's the same way on NHL, too. Like, you move it up one difficulty, and you go from winning 5-1 to losing 5-1. Like, it, they, they, it's like, bro, we need a difficulty in between here to bridge the gap because uh, we're not doing it right. Like it, it's, it's just ridiculous, right. but I'm, like I said, I'm excited, but I'm a little nervous. I mean, we still got an entire year yet, so we'll, we'll see, I guess, but I, I'm excited for sure. And I'm going to buy it immediately and we'll see how it goes. I might be in the store whenever it gets released. Yeah. I'm going to be in the store. I'm going to be taking the next four days off of work and four days later, some random, Terrible power five school is going to be a powerhouse. See, I'll be into season three. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's, that's funny. So yeah. So that's our random poll. We'll tweet that out for sure. Along with all our other uh, gambling people, lead eight tweets, but let's move on to the best segment. We got Mike drop sponsored by Moneyline dice. Oh, took a sip of my uh spit there sorry dj oh you're good man it goes that way sometimes sometimes you forget <laughs> how to breathe you know <laughs> i do it all the time it's like yeah and now with the covid like it's like oh god don't cough don't cough it's like but i just forgot how to breathe there for a second <laughs> you know i yeah, get it i get it. it it's tough because yeah i'm <laughs> oh my <laughs> ah okay for you viewers at home, I'm great buying. audio down there. <laughs> yeah, yep. This, yep. This I'm, I'm fine. Believe me, I'm fine. But all right, so here we go. The, the ad read that I was going to do before I swallowed my spit. Uh, the Gambling Food Podcast is sponsored by Moneyline Dice. Moneyline Dice aims to revolutionize the sports betting market through the creation of both functional and novelty products that sports bettors of all levels will enjoy. Spotted by its golden peaks, the Moneyline logo symbolizes winning and winning big. Featured products include the Moneyline Sports Betting Dice, which is a set of five dice, one dice for number of units, one for the over-under, one for the away slash home team, one for against the spread versus Moneyline, and a give-me-all options dice. Uh, the Moneyline Sportsbook Notebook and the Snapback Hat. Use the promo code CODA10, that is K-O-T-A-10, to receive 10% discount off on your next order. That is the promo code CODA10, K-O-T-A-10, 
to receive a 10% discount on your next order at www.moneylinedice.com. So I, I saw this at the Minnesota Vikings game last time, and it really bothered me. And I hear a lot of people do it all the time. So we're getting ready. They're getting ready to perform the national anthem. It was done by like an America's Got Talent finalist. It was really, really good. But there were some audio audio issues for a while. It, it didn't get started right away. And it just took a while to do it. And there's these people yelling like, go Vikings or go Steelers and stuff like that before the national. That's not the time to do it. There, there are times to cheer and there are times not, not to cheer. And if your opinion on what you do for the national anthem, what whatever. But don't yell during during the national anthem like that's a time to stand there let the people performing who practice this a long time let them performing and stuff like that and like i said everyone has their own opinion about the national anthem i'm not going into that this is not a political show so i'm not talking about that my point is is like you gotta know respect and just yelling stuff like that to to make yourself seem funny that's not funny i guarantee you when you when you do that People aren't going to be like, oh, ha, 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 that guy, that, that, was, that was pretty funny. No, they're going to be saying what a D-bag that guy is because he did that before the National Anthem. Like, I have my best friend serves in the National Guard right now. I mean, I think about him when stuff like that happens, and it's just, like, totally disrespectful. Like I said, you're not funny when you do something like that. Show some class, be respectful, stop doing it. Yeah, spot on. I mean, why don't we see like why don't vets and stuff do that? Because they understand, you know, they put their life on the line and you get these average Joes who, you know, didn't sacrifice themselves for the country. It's like, bro, the, the least you can do is be respectful during the national anthem and before and after because you didn't have to serve yet. You're still free. Like you have freedoms because other people, you know, sacrifice their life. Um, and I think it's just something not to get polit crazy politically, but like, I feel like we've just kind of lost patriotism a little bit uh, in the fact of like, we, we don't have that, you know, pride anymore of like, you know, when the national anthem comes on, you're locked in, you're ready to go. And you're, you're, you know, you're loving the country that you're in and you're loving the freedoms you have because you're in this country. Uh, and I think we've kind of lost that. And we've, we've kind of just accepted, like, that's it. That's our guaranteed right that we're going to have that. And it's like, bro, but there's people who serve who actually, you know, make sure that, this continues to go on and continue, we continue to have these freedoms. And so like, be thankful you're in this country, dude, you could be in a communist dictatorship like China or Cuba or something like that. You could be in a terrible country, like be thankful you're born in the United States and just shut up for the three minutes it's going to take to do this thing. Like just be respectful. So yeah, that, that, that's a great mic drop. And yeah, that stuff does, does upset me quite a bit as well. No, absolutely. And you made a lot of great points in that as well. And to me, I know like, growing up being in sports and stuff like that like the national anthem to me was like my way of saying oh my gosh this this sport's really happening and stuff like that but it's happening because of the people who are serving it over who are serving overseas and stuff like that so like i said you can have your own opinion on a bunch of different things but like like you said you have three minutes just shut up mm -hmm. yeah like I, and my biggest point is like if, if you hate this country move get out move. get out exactly leave. we don't need you here if you hate it like I can understand being upset at the government. Like I hate the government. I, I'm very upset at the government, but I've, I've never once like said, I hate veterans or people who serve like, dude, I respect the hell out of those dudes. If I see someone like in a gas station or something wearing, you know, their gear and stuff in a very discreet way, I like, you know, I try to thank them for my for their services when I can, you know, I, I'm not doing it so that everyone in the gas station hears me. Like I try to be discreet in that point. Like, Hey man, thanks for your service. Like, because like they, they don't get that enough in my opinion. 
and I think they should, but like, you shouldn't be doing it just to, you know, everyone knows that you thanked a vet today. It's, it's not about that, you know, no, it's, it's deeper sure. than that. So, yeah, I, I think we've, we've lost a lot of that. And like, I think it's almost like privileged. Like most Americans now, are, they're not used to war times that, you know, they weren't alive during Vietnam war. They weren't alive during all that stuff, like our generation basically. And so we don't know what it's like. I mean, we were what, five, six years old during nine 11. Like we really don't have that country pride. Like, and so therefore we don't understand that it's really not our right. Like we have to go out and earn it every day and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it, it's upsetting, but it's like, I don't, what can you do? Like some people are just a-holes and they're just going to be that way. They're drunk and they're just going to be foolish. It's like, you can act a fool, but don't disrespect the country, man. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Not the vets. Like if you want to crap on the government or crap on the president, do your thing. Like, have your views that's that's why that, the veterans literally allow you to have those rights to vocalize those views like right in china you say something like that bro you are locked up in prison you might be executed like dad yeah yeah be, yeah. be thankful for your freedom of speech but yeah no spot on kyle great great mic drop thank you thank you 100 so yeah on to my mic drop um it's just boilerplate here but it, it really upsets me in in all sports teams playing not to lose and this goes back two weeks to the vikes losing to the lions and there was multiple like third and tens or third and eights when the vikings just threw like a screen play or like a very low risk low reward play on third down i'm like dude why like why are we afraid to attack this team like why are we just giving up on third down like i I know we're up right now you know but why why are we doing this and you'll see it in basketball too. Teams get a lead and they, you know, they just play not to lose. It's like play to win, bro. That's how you always should be. Now, obviously you can change your game plan a little bit. You know, obviously football, you can run more heavy in the second half. Like there's things you can do, but it's then I mean, the Vikings lost to the Lions because of this. Like they just openly chose multiple times to just do a super conservative play. It's like, dude, you got to take risks in order to win. And I think nowadays people are so scared of losing that they're, they're scared to take those risks. And it's a, it's annoying as a fan, I guess, is where more comes from. And it's just like, bro, take a risk. Like, you yeah. gotta, you gotta want to win. <clears throat> no, yeah, well, simple, what? but short and sweet. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, yeah. no, you're good. I was just saying, like, I didn't did have much to go off about it. Cause like it, 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 you can go into depth of certain like games and like the Viking ones, the simplest one I had, but. You'll see it in basketball where teams will burn the entire shot clock, not get a good shot up. And then the other team starts making buckets, starts going on a run. And then your whole holding the ball and waiting thing doesn't work anymore. And like, you just always play to win uh, and teams don't do that. And it's very upsetting. No, well, well said. I mean, that irritates me, me too. Like there's a lot of people that will agree with us on that too, but I believe the great Herm Edwards once said, you play to win the game. Yep. And why don't people, why don't coaches follow that philosophy? I remember when we would coach summer ball, like all the time, like there would be like, we're up by five with like a minute to go. And they're like, do you want us to stall? It's like, no, like, like run our offense. Our offense isn't working all game. Don't stop running your offense now and stuff like that. And same, and same in college. I see it all the time where teams have like a small lead and they use the entire shot clock, miss it. The other team gets, gets a bucket. They take the lead and stuff like that. Well, you just waste the entire shot clock. Yep. Like th- there's times to be a little more cautious, but there's also times that you need to just 
play your play the game. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Like when you're when you're up, let's say ten or twenty, you you don't need to shoot right away. Like run the offense, get a good look. But there's no need to be like, oh, five seconds left the shot clock. All right, now let's force up a look because we waste it all the time. It's like, bro, just if you get a layup, that's a win, regardless of if you took five seconds or twenty five seconds. Like that's a win. And yeah, it's just you see it all the time, and it, it's ridiculous. When um, I basketball. Yeah, it's the definition of playing not to lose right there. <laughs> Golly. Don't even get me fired up on a whole other topic, Kyle. I can't. <laughs> Just keep it going. But speaking of basketball, let's transition to our, our new segment. You want to explain what it is? Sure. Yeah, no, we uh, we noticed a lack of college basketball talk kind of all around all around just sports in general. There's not talking about much college basketball. So we're going to do – a little college basketball talk. So me and DJ, big, big college basketball guys, obviously both Iowa fans, North Carolina fans. DJ is definitely more of a North Carolina fan than myself, but I still root for the Tar Heels and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've college basketball been going on a little more than a month. I mean, just some crazy stuff has gone down so far in basketball. We have three number one seeds who have already lost. You got Gonzaga who lost to Duke. Uh, by three uh then duke went on to lose to ohio state by five which a lot of us at the network had ohio state at the upset and then uh purdue lost to rutgers last week 70 68 on a wild game-winning shot by ron harper jr so uh just overall thoughts dj about all these number one seeds going down so early in the season i honestly i would if i'm a one seed i'm okay with losing because like i think you need to lose in order to win if that makes sense like you need tough losses you need losses where your dudes are heartbroken so that way they have that feeling of like we don't want to lose again this is what we need to do to fix it kind of thing and i mean how many times does the one seed go on and win it all i don't think it like the one the number one overall one I feel like they don't like if you're undefeated and never lost and you go into the tournament, I feel like you're almost destined to lose. Like you need really tough losses, whether it be, you know, you play down to a bad team or, you know, you, you think you're too good. You're like, Oh, we like, like Purdue, like, Oh, we're too good for Rutgers. We'll stomp them. And then you lose. Like you need those losses to humble you and to keep you kind of motivated and keep you going. So I, I I'm a, I'm a big fan of teams losing uh, in tough games. Like, it's different when you lose and you shouldn't have, but like if you just if a team just outplays you that day, it's like we needed to have this loss to get us on the right track because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Like we're gonna get into the tournament regardless if we have you know zero losses or five. Like we're getting into the tournament. So let's get some good losses under our belt to kind of you gotta be able to play through adversity. You gotta be able to play through those hectic like hectic environments, those conditions and stuff. And so yeah, I'm I, as a as a one, if I was if my team was a one seed and we lost, I'm like this this is fine, this is good, this is what we need. We need to be able to grow off of a loss. We can't always grow off of wins. We need a loss to be able to grow off of. If that if that makes sense. No, I mean that that's spot on. And to go back to your question about like, has a number one seed really ever like stayed number one and gone on? The only one that I can remember was when Kentucky had like Anthony Davis and Michael K. Gilchrist. I believe they lost. They had the one loss to Indiana on that buzzer beater, and that was it. Yep. So, I mean, but, but I mean, that's an all-time team right there. You got Anthony Davis, Michael Kigel, Chris. I believe Eric Bledsoe was on that team. He might have uh, been. I know the Harris brothers were close. I don't yeah. know if they were the year after. Uh, I don't remember, but they were close. But, yeah, no, that was – Yeah. They had I, a lot. I, I think it was the year after, but none, but nonetheless, it was, an, it was an all-time team that I can remember. But, no, no 
you you nailed on the head like number one seed should be humble and lose and stuff like that because you don't want to be like a Gonzaga who goes undefeated and then goes to the national championship and gets slapped like last year and stuff like that you got to know how to lose in order to win and sometimes that's what teams don't realize is like losing sometimes is more important than winning because when you lose you figure out your weaknesses so you can improve on that and be the best team you can be come March and stuff like that. And that's what this, these teams are doing. Like I said, Duke, if Duke improves all season long and they play Ohio State in March, I think Duke wins. But exactly. Duke's need to humble themselves up a little a little bit. You got all these big-time players that Bonchero is probably going to go top five and stuff like that. he got to humble himself up a little bit. But, yeah. I think number one seeds need to learn how to lose in order to win. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like, I, that's why if I was like a college team, I would schedule such a difficult schedule. I would put my kids in the most chaotic environments because that's going to sit, that's going to set you up best in March. Like it's, it's not like college football where you lose one game and you're basically done. Like, it's not like that at all. It's a completely different sport. And like, you need those losses um, not only to humble, but to learn. And then you need to be in like a chaotic environment because that's what it is. That's what it's going to be like in March. Like really you need to throw everything at your, uh, throw everything at your team before they get to March. So they're prepared for any situation. That's what I think good coaches do. And obviously you see some coaches have always succeeded better in, in uh, college than, than others. And that's because those coaches are really good at doing that. And yeah. It, it college basketball is just it's its own sport and side note why I, why I like it so much is i mean the talent level is definitely some great games are definitely a lot grosser um than like an nba game but those kids are going balls to the walls every single play whereas like you turn on a sunday noon game nba it's going to be gross none of those players care they're just out there collecting a check but it, but like with with the college, they're always going balls to the walls every single game. They're going all out, and that's what I love about it. Like they're not as talented, that's for sure. But but they're trying to do everything they can every single game, and they're following till the end, and they're hustling, they're diving, they're just doing all that extra stuff that we kind of lose once we get more talented. You know, oh, I'm in the NBA, I'm making millions of dollars, I'm talented, I can kind of slack off a little bit. So I, that's why I do love college basketball because I honestly, to me, I think college basketball and college or NBA are two different sports. Like they may, they may both be basketball, but the way those sports are played, how they're coached, how you can win way different, way different. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and the difference between the NBA and college basketball too. And I, I watch the NBA, don't get me wrong. I'm not like an anti NBA guy. Like some people are, I'll watch it. But the difference is, is, like players have admitted before they're like if you're on like a really really good team like Jordan and the Bulls there were some games where Michael Jordan has admitted I took that game I took that game off kind of was uh doing my own thing kind of playing half-heartedly still scoring 25 points and we're still winning but then you play like the really good teams that's when you know you need to try and stuff like that so you look at the schedule like okay I play the 89 Pistons or whatever I need to try this game or or like you play the 89 really bad team fill in the blank and like I don't have to try in college basketball you don't get that like you could like you can lose any given game at any time like last year Duke lost to Stephen F Austin nobody ever would have thought about that like but Duke probably thought I can take a break on this one and it didn't work out so like you said college basketball way 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 more different than the NBA and speaking of Duke DJ how about this new interim head coach that Duke has John Shire, who has recruited 
five players in ESPN's top 100, including three in the top 10. I mean, he's getting good players left and right. Everyone thought maybe Duke might be struggling with Coach K leaving. This new coach is picking out right where Coach K left off, though. Is this John Shire guy, the guy that used to play at Duke? Yes. Oh, okay. It's spelled different on our script, so I didn't I didn't know. I believe so. Okay, because they they had a they had a really, really good player, John Shire, um, back in the day. Like he was he was lights out from three. He was like right after the JJ Reddick realm. This John Shire cat came in. They were the ones that beat Butler. Butler went on that crazy run um and went to the national title and they lost yeah. to Duke. And that Duke team had John Shire and Kyle Singler. Yep, those are the two yes, main guys. Yeah, yeah, those were their yeah. two bosses. Yeah, those two were awesome. So yeah, I mean, I would assume John Shire knows his stuff, uh, and I would assume he knows how to talk to recruits because he once was a recruit. He once was one of the most hyped players, you know, in, in college basketball. So I, I think that's a great interim coach signing, and I, I like the potential in him. Now I hate Duke as a North Carolina. I hate John Shire. I respect him. I respect the hell out of him. I respect the hell out of their organization, what they've done, you know, as a college. But I hate him. I just have to. It's it's one of those, like, yeah, I, I hate Aaron Rodgers, but I respect his game. I, do I respect him as a person? No, he's a scumbag. We've been over that plenty of times. But, like, I, that's, that's one thing people don't understand. It's like you can hate someone and still respect them. Like, it's just how it is. Like, I used to hate LeBron. Now I love LeBron. And I respect him. Like, yeah, same with Tom Brady. Used to hate Tom Brady. Love Tom Brady. Now I respect him. Like, you, you can earn respect. And that's how it is with Duke. Like, every year I'm going to hate everybody, but I'll still respect their talent. I'll still watch them. They're still fun. And this John Shire guy, with what you've told me with the recruits, I didn't know this. Uh, it sounds like he's, you know, he's really getting them in the right direction. And I'm, I'm kind of excited for him, like, a little bit. I'm like, I'm excited to see what this guy's got. Like, he used to be a, he used to be a stud at Duke. He won a national title at Duke. Like, the dude's a winner. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the whole interim coach? I was very, very surprised because I thought that when Coach K announced it was going to be his last season and stuff like that, that I thought Duke was going to struggle in the recruiting and that maybe Calipari might get more guys to go to Kentucky or Bill Self might get more guys to go to Kansas or Roy Williams, North Carolina. But these, but no, he's doing a great, he's doing a great job. I mean, three guys in ESPN's top, top 100 is crazy. Now Duke is very, very well known for, having quite a few guys being one and dones, but it's like you take those one and dones, you get rid of them, you add a bunch of new good recruit, new, new recruits as well. And that's what Duke does a really good job of. And I'm very, very impressed that he's able to get all these guys with Coach K gone because I guarantee you a lot of Duke recruits went there because of Coach K. And now Coach K is going to be gone. They think they're going to struggle. And this, new, and this new coach comes in and is still getting recruits left and right. I mean, I hate Duke as well, as well, but very, very impressive. It is on my bucket list, though, to go to Cameron, Cameron Indoor Stadium. That is on my bucket list. A Duke-North Carolina game is a must. Like, I, I have to go to one of those games. Do you know how expensive those tickets are? Like, I mean, I we're, talk, we're talking in the thousands probably for, like, nosebleeds. I'll pay it at one point, Kyle. I got to get got to get to that that wealth sphere. Um, working my way there now, but um, I, I will go to a game eventually. Uh, just like we're going to go to the OU Texas game eventually, Kyle. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's we'll get a long and JT. And yep. We'll oh, get a I, bunch of people to go I, with I, us. I told the boys about the idea. They loved it. They were they were all in. Yep. It'll be it'll be good. And I'm curious. I'm curious to see. Uh, that's another story for another time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. No, no, you're you're good. No, it's definitely definitely interesting thought that we'll definitely talk about in the future. But no, that's that's a that's a must like. Oklahoma, Texas is on my bucket list, and a Duke, North Carolina game is on my bucket list. But we'll either have 
Oklahoma, Texas is going to happen. I guarantee you that happens. But Duke, North Carolina, I will see. But I hope so. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, another one on my list was Yankees, Red Sox. And I already went to one of those games. So I've got that checked off. Was there a fight of that game? No, there wasn't. But it was it was a lit environment. Like the Yankee, because it was at Yankee Stadium. And it was just, there was an extra like in the air. The Yankees, there's like, they just knew Red Sox are in town. First game of the series, like screw these guys. And the fans were hyped. Like the entire game, they're yelling. Aaron Judge was going off that year. And everyone's just like, oh, going crazy for him. Pretty sure he hit a dinger. And the fans just went wild, started chanting MVP. I was joining them because I bet the over and the dude hit a home run. So I'm like, yeah, right. that's yes, my MVP, sir. baby. Yes, sir. MVP <laughs> of my heart. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was that that's there's like certain rivalries that I feel like you have to go to. I think we've both been to an Iowa State game, which I think is one of those, especially local wise. Yeah. Cubs, Cardinals. I think I don't know if I've ever been to one of those. So I got to go to one of those. I've always wanted to go to Wrigley. That's going to be – that's on my bucket list, too. I've never been. I've definitely gone to Wrigley, but I've never seen a Cubs-Cardinals one. So, we'll get there. We're going to get them all off our list, Kyle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you guys will be the first ones to know about it. Yep. Yep, exactly. We'll have boots on the ground, live updates, the works. You'll oh, be absolutely. living vicariously through us. Content factory. <laughs> exactly. Just st- this producing units and units of content. Exactly. But – um, so I, some big games this week, uh, in the college basketball, what, what games are catching your eyes to get us back on track a little bit, I guess we, we got off a little bit on a tangent. That's all right. They should expect that from us to be honest. That's fair. That's fair. A uh, couple big games here, DJ. We got a uh, number 18 Tennessee playing, uh, away at Memphis. And we also got number four UCLA against North Carolina. Any of those games really, uh, catching your eye, any breakdown in any of those games? Um, the UCLA North Carolina game will be cool. Um, just because opposite coast to powerhouse, like of the top five powerhouse college basketball schools, those are easily not even a debate. Two of the top five for sure. For sure. So these are two historic teams and it's one of those games where like, if you look at it and you think number four UCLA is just going to roll North Carolina, you're you're crazy because it's going to be close. It's going to be competitive. Um, now there's a chance where, you know, UCLA pulls away, blows them out. There's always that chance, Mm -hmm. but there's a chance that UCLA, you know, thinks they they're going up against an unranked team and then they lose. So, I mean, it'll, it'll be an exciting game. And I think it'll be one which both teams will be excited to play. And I think it'll just be a, a good display of, you know, some of the best athletes in college basketball. And then on the flip side, Tennessee, Memphis, I mean, that's a state rivalry, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. is it Memphis is located in Tennessee, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I haven't taken uh, uh, geography in a while, but I, I think that's right. So that'll be a lit game as well. I mean, you're talking a ranked Tennessee team uh, against, uh, you know, a Memphis team. Like, there's some animosity there. I think Memphis is kind of the little brother, um, at least in football, obviously. They're, you know, they're not the big SEC school. And I think Memphis will come to play, and I think it'll be a big game. Do, do does I think the Grizzlies or the the Memphis Tigers play where the Memphis Grizzlies play? Do you know if that's accurate? I believe that is accurate. Yeah, because I think I went to a Memphis Tigers game, and I remember it being at the like everything on the walls and stuff was all Memphis Grizzlies, and I was like, wait, I thought they were the Tigers, and my my brother explained like, no, they are the Tigers, but the Grizzlies play here too. And right, I, I was very confused at like a young eight, nine years old. I had no idea what was going on. 
So, yeah, no, both of those games sound like hyped games. And like I said, you got two historic franchises. You got an in-state rivalry. Like, those games are going to be lit. I think the fans will be lit. And I think it'll be a chaotic environment and be some good display of basketball. But, yeah, what are your thoughts? You got any leans on them? I can see Memphis pulling off the upset at home against Tennessee. I mean, I love Penny Hardaway. I'm such a big Penny Hardaway fan. I've always been, like, growing up. I didn't watch him play growing up, but I was, uh, I like watching old NBA film. Hardaway is one of my favorite players to watch. Love him as a coach. And he knows how to get guys to, to play. And he's a great coach. And I think that Memphis could pull off the upset against Tennessee. Tennessee's a good squad and stuff like that, but I never doubt Penny Hardaway. So I can see Memphis pulling off the upset and this UCLA North Carolina game. That's going to be such a fun game to watch. I mean, I love, UCLA's backcourt we talked about it when we did the college basketball preview show I think UCLA's backcourt is legit but I also think like you said North Carolina is not a team to mess with I believe they're seven and one seven and two on the year so they're always going to be a really solid team and that's going to be a really good game as well so I'm looking forward to both those games and you mentioned it DJ about the top five college basketball schools of all time I don't know if you can really debate this I guess you can throw in a few schools but it's got to be UCLA North Carolina Duke kansas and kentucky doesn't it i yeah those would be those would be my top five for sure um but you could maybe debate one of them in for one of them but i mean historically speaking those have been just five powerhouses um, it's got to be a top five for most people i would think I, it, yeah but you you assume most people are rational kyle and then you true, just see videos true. on the internet and you're like, oh my gosh, these guys are not rational. Like most are these most Americans or is this just a rare group? Like I swear people are yeah, way less rational than we give them credit for. But <laughs> all, all in all though, the thing crazy thing about college basketball is like, it's about getting your team to peak at the right time. Like you peak mid season. It doesn't mean anything like you're going to lose when it comes, like you have to get your guys set up to peak during March madness and it's so hard, and that's why you see the best coaches doing it year in and year out. Uh, and it's it's very impressive, but it's it's such a hard thing to do to like get them playing their best basketball right as you go into March Madness. Like it's it's tough, and that's the weird thing. Like at the end of the day, the NBA is all about like, do you have a top five player? Is honestly what I think. Like if if you don't have a top five player then you have to be like that Detroit's Pistons team that had like five just really, really good players, but none of them were top 10. You know what I mean? Correct. Yep. And then they just, because you have five of them, you're good. But we, that, that formula doesn't work. Like in the NBA, you need a top five player and that's not how it is in college basketball. Like you just have to be hot. We watched what UCLA run the tables. We watched Syracuse run the tables. We watched Loyola run the tables. Like we want Oregon state ran the tables like we watched all these small schools that are just playing hot at the right time. And it's, that's all it is. Like, it, it doesn't matter what seed you are. It matters how you're playing. There's one, like, I could have told you Iowa was losing to Oregon. Oh, Iowa had sure. peaked way longer. They peaked way early. Like, it's just, that's just how it is. And it's, it's a crazy thing to me, but that's just how college basketball is. And I think that's why it's so cool. And that's why it literally got the name March madness. Like it, it's literally madness. Like no one knows what's going to happen. Like you, you might have better odds of winning a lottery ticket than you do of uh, per, picking a perfect bracket. Yeah, they they said you you have better odds of winning the lottery three times than having a perfect bracket. Like it's it's nuts, but yeah, college basketball is 
is definitely up there in one of my favorite sports, obviously, like with the college, with college football, it's my favorite, but college basketball is a very, very close second. I mean, that's just so much fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it. Why is it every year, Kyle, that we think we have a perfect bracket though? Like we have a better chance, like you said, at three times winning the lottery, but every year I'm like, this is the one, this is going to be the one. <laughs> and then oh, and first round, 12 losses. Mess up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and you just think about like, I think every year somebody has a team in the final four that loses first round. Yep. Oh, for every, sure. Every single, every single year you have, and then like you have, like you pick an upset, like a 12, five upset that you think for sure. Okay. 12, five upsets happen every year. I'm going to give you that secret right now. There's always a 12, five upset every single year. I don't care who, who it is when it's, there's always going to be a 12, five upset. I'm just going to th- throw out my little tip to everybody. You can thank me later. If you didn't know that already. But yeah, you, there's just like a 12 5 upset that you think is going to happen, and the five seed just destroys them. Like, I remember when I'm just, just an example. I remember when South Dakota State had Bryce Dom. Yeah. And I thought for sure they were beating, I think, uh, I think it was like Ohio State. Yep. And, and I thought for sure they were beating Ohio, Ohio State crushed them. So it's just like you think you know, and then it just doesn't work out. So, nope. It's so funny because every year, I tell my dad, like, you got to pick some upsets. And every year he has all four one seeds going to the final four. And then I remind him, I'm like, you realize this has happened one time in all time. Like one time in 2008, all one seeds got to the final four. And those were four of the most dominant one seeds. I mean, you had D Rose in Memphis. You had Kevin Love in UCLA. You had, I want to say a North Carolina team. And then I want to say a Duke or Kansas team was the fourth. I'm not, not quite sure on that. Um, But yeah. And every yeah, year, yep, yep, yep. It was that, Kansas because it was Kansas yep, Memphis yep, championship. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. So those were the four one seeds. And every year he gives me his bracket to put in the computer because he can't do it. He always makes me do it. And he always has all four one seeds. I'm like, dude, how many times do we have to go over this? Right. And then he's like, they have the highest likelihood of getting there. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and then he, he somehow beats me. And then he's like, oh, look who's like, and he talks smack. I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating. But uh, yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing is too, and I was talking to somebody about this and I'm not saying this to be sexist. I need to throw that out there right away, but upsets are less likely to happen in women's college basketball than they are men's. I do really good in women's college basketball, March Madison. I'll tell you why I take all the number one seeds and I send them to the final four and nine times out of 10, I get, or I either get all four, right. Or I'll get three out of the four. Right. And then which team is the hot is like, okay. Which team is playing the best basketball during that time? Like most of the time it's UConn. Yep. So you can throw UConn there. Stanford is you has been really good. I bet on Baylor with Brittany Griner. Yep. A few. So like, I'm not saying it to be sexist by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just saying, upsets in women's college basketball are way less likely than men's yeah yeah it's it's more predictable you could say yeah um and i i don't know i don't know why that is i guess like i don't have a reason for why that is um is there a greater barrier like do all the great like female athletes go to the same schools whereas like men they're spread out more like i i I don't i I don't have it yeah i don't have an answer that's what i would guess um, but I have noticed that a lot of the times it's just not as much madness in those brackets, which mm-hmm. I mean, they're still great games, like nothing against them. Like you said, I'm not, I'm not trying to say one's better than the other, 
Um, it's just, we're just laying out facts here, people. We're just laying out facts. Yep. Yep. Don't, don't come at us because I have, and if you want to come at me, I'll have, you know, you can listen to every single show. I have defended women's sports several times on this show. So if you, if you want to come after me, listen to other shows first. Yeah. I think there's a lot worse ones out there. Yes. Oh, um, for, for sure. Yes. But, but we're going to get in trouble if we keep going on. This yeah. Stuff. Let's, let's just cut ourselves off before we slip up and say something we don't want to say. Um, you know, yep. you, you talk enough, eventually you're going to slip up once and say something you don't mean to. And you then think you one thing, coming at you. Yep, and it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, all right, we're human. We can make mistakes people, but again, just don't say anything stupid. Right. You know, there's two sides of the coin. I see both sides. Like, don't say something racist. Don't say something homophobic. Don't say that stuff. And you don't have to worry about people coming right. at you. It's which, kind of again, common sense. It is, which is why we, whenever we address like some kind of more tightrope walk issues, we try to address, address it right away. Like we're just talking about this. We're not saying that, you know, we're not, we're not choosing side here. We're not saying, you know, we're just, just getting this out in the open. And I, th- I think we do a good job of kind of laying all that all out. Cause it's a difficult, it's a difficult topic, but like someone needs to talk about it. If that makes right. sense. Yep. Now hiding inside boys. That's, a, that's another story. No, I'm just, they're, I'm just they're, they're a I'm wild just group. Those guys, <laughs> <laughs> those guys, they'll just say whatever comes to their mind. If, if they think it'll get a laugh, they will, they'll say it. So yeah, that's, that, that's a canceled group. That group probably should be canceled, but this group right here, we're, we're clean. Keep a clean, clean show. Just try, just try to prevent, pre- present the facts. That's all we try absolutely well uh dj let's move on to the last thing we're going to talk about our elite eight so we had the first round of the elite eight we started it early actually a couple days because we really wanted to just get it going something like that i mean we had plays left and right it was great seeing just the participation that everybody had and uh yeah let's just go through each matchup one by one and just kind of talk about the converse talk have a conversation about each one and just give your thoughts on it so let's move on to a interesting one in kind of a bad way <laughs> so uh the number one seed tyler paulson defeated the number eight seed tyler devos by a score of minus 29.88 units to minus 143.17 units so uh dj i it's kind of tough to talk about this but what are your thoughts about it i first off i think the lines are a little inflated like tyler tyler devos was down a solid 40 some units going into the last day. So he could either roll over and not bet, or he could go all in and bet a ton of games. And he went all in, which I respect that. I respect that so much. So like, I I much prefer him ending minus 143 versus ending at what he was at minus 45 or whatever. Like I, I I, like, I respect the fact that he went all in. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go full send on the last day and try to make a comeback. I'm going to play not to lose. Exactly. Like I'm not going to play not to lose. I'm going to play to win. And I respect that. He just happened to be really cold. He got, not screwed, but he didn't, didn't win those live bets. He had what, like five different or two different times. He bet like five different live bets and lost almost all of those bets. Mm -hmm. And to defend both these guys, almost all of their bets were five units. And both these guys just had a cold week. So you bet one units, we're talking minus, you know, 10 and minus 40, 30, whatever, you know, but since they were going all five units on every play, that it, the numbers are definitely inflated, but I, I, it is what it is. 
Tyler Paulson advances. Do I think Tyler's going to put up another negative 29? No, I, I think he'll go positive. Like he's due to, he's due to win. He just had a bad week. We've all been there. We've all, we've had bad months, Kyle. We've had multiple bad months, but we've also had hot months, you know, where we're on fire. We're up 30 units. Like that's just how it goes. And he found a way to win. He got the job done. So all respect to both guys. I don't care about their units, how bad they ended. They, they fought it out. They, they, put out the most units of any matchup, which I think is really impressive. You know, they laid it all out on the line. So I, it is what it is. When you just look at the units, you probably think they're both terrible, but like we, me and you, we know the inside details. We know, we know every bet. We know how things shook down. And like I said, I, I think Tyler Paulson will, will light it up this next matchup for sure. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And just going off of both these guys, let's start with Tyler DeVos. If I was down as many units as he was, I would stop. I literally would just throw in the towel. I'm done. Congratulations, Tyler. Let's move on. He didn't. He's like, okay, I'm down 40-some units. I'm either going to go positive or I'm going to go way negative. But there's no point in me staying down in the dumps. And then I have no no plays. Tyler has no plays. And Tyler wins. I'm going to go all out. And I'm going to make him work for it the last day. I respect the heck out of it. And like, and like you said, he had... I think three or four live bets where he had like six plays on it. He did max bet on all of them. And I don't think any of them hit. I he mean, it's just, Oh, okay. Two of them hit. But, Cause he but, had two of the overs. He bet like 99 over and then like a hundred over. And then the next over he bet was like one Oh two. And they ended at one Oh one or something. That's so right. Lost, yeah. yeah. So he won two of like his 12 bets he made on live bet overs or, or live bet unders either way. Cause he had both. So like, it just, it didn't go well for him. That that part didn't. It is what no, it is. We've all been there. It is. And and like I said, I respect the heck out of him. He was really excited to be in the contest. So I'm going to give him a, a shout out, definitely. Uh, thank, I'm glad he was a part of the Elite Eight contest. And then Tyler Paulson, like you said, he had a tough, a tough week and he did a lot of max bets. He had a lot of plays, a, a lot of plays and games go against him to cost him some units. I mean, he had a lot of bad beats. And like you said, DJ, he's not going to have a negative 30 week. I guarantee, I guarantee you he's going to light it up and he's going to have a, a week. I got a really good feeling about it, but uh, no, that was a, that was a crazy matchup, but the next matchup, DJ, this one had a little bit of controversy, but we'll, and we'll, we'll address this. And I know you and I both have opinions on it. We have expressed our opinions, but uh, the four or five matchups, the five seed, Josh Campbell defeated the four seed, Alex Long by a score of plus 4.05 units to minus 48.35 units. Now there was a little controversy because Josh only bet 11 units. He technically did not break the rules. The rules specifically stated you had to do a 10 unit minimum, which he did, but people are saying it's pretty unethical that he only bet 11 units, but technically, like I said, he, he's not disqualified. He followed the rules, but what are your just thoughts DJ about this matchup? Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, very vocal about this on Twitter. I have been, but so basically his first play was the opposite of Alex Long's first play. And so he won that first one and then he sat on his hands and he didn't bet all week until he learned about the rules. He didn't even know about the rules until he learned about them. And then he bet two overs, went one and one. So we had a total record of two and one. And on the flip side, Al went one and four on his first slate of college football everyone's had a bad college football day and he spent the rest of the time like trying to come back. And then on the last day was a UFC day, UFC uh, card. And so he went all out and uh, 
some bets just didn't go his way on that. And, you know, instead of, like I said, instead of finishing negative 10 units, he finished or negative 20 units, he finished negative 48. Like he, he went all out as, as similar to Tyler DeVos. Like, like you said, he could have sat there and not done anything or he could have gone all out and he went all out. So I, I respect the hell out of Alex. And on the flip side, um, you know, I, I obviously I'm good friends with Alan. So, you know, we hang out uh, both live in, in the same city, basically. Uh, and, you know, he was just like, I mean, he, he was a little upset with how, what Josh did, because basically what he did is he faded out on the first play. He won. And then he didn't, didn't really do anything after that. Um, and it, he took advantage basically of the rules. And obviously we thought 10 units, we didn't think that anybody would do what Josh did. I guess, I guess we assumed that most people would bet at least, you know, anywhere from 20 to a hundred units, you know, or more. And the average unit size or average units placed was like anywhere from 60 to 200 and some, like most people were in the hundreds. Uh, so like, and, but this was a first year contest. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Like, you know, we, we made some mistakes. We should have set the minimum higher. We should have, we learned that now. Um, but I, I'm definitely not a fan of what he did. Uh, I don't think he's released a play for this week's contest as well. Uh, and I, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I don't like it. It's like, dude, everyone here, everyone here is like trying to be a handicapper. They're trying to give winners. They're trying. Now, have they failed? Have a lot of them failed? Yes, but at least they're trying. Whereas what he did was just like, he just mailed it in and yeah, not a fan of it, but he, I mean, he technically won and he technically uh, followed the rules and I'm curious to see what he's going to do for 10 units. I feel like his strategy is just to let the other person go down to negative 20 units by losing and then bet just enough to, you know, go 500, you know, make two five unit plays, go 500 and you're sitting, you're going to win at, you know, negative 0.1 unit or whatever, you know, and it's a strategy, but it's just not one that I can personally respect, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, I, I like to see guys going after it. And like we saw, we saw both Pace and Von Fluchok, not to spoil anything, but we saw them both go hard negative, like double digit negative units. And we saw both of them battle back. Like Pace had like a plus, I want to say like 15 to 20 unit day to bring him in to the last day. The, the day before the last day, he brought himself right back into the contest with a massive day. And I'm like, yes, I respect that. I love it. Like, you go, Pace. You're finally, you know, you had a hot day. Like, those are the best, having a hot day. Um, and we just didn't see that there. And like I said, a little disappointed. Not surprised, though. Josh, is he's a smart guy, and he's he's going to manipulate the system to, to, to best, you know, uh, win. And so, like, I get it. Uh, but he's also, you know, taking advantage of us doing our first contest and just not really – you know, being prepared for what was going to happen. And, you know, if in the future we have a similar type of contest, I know our unit size per week is going to be significantly higher uh, to prevent something from this from happening. But yeah, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Before I talk about Josh, uh, Alex Long, first of all, shout out to him. Um, he had a freaking day when he was on as a guest picker. So I'm glad he was able to be a part of it. Uh, you know, he was going balls to the wall with those UFC cards. I really enjoyed that. Um, had a tough day with college football, which kind of set him back. But, I mean, those were a couple of really bad beats he took and stuff like that. But I think that it, he comes back again. He'll have a lot better show, and I think he'll do a lot better. And we'll see what happens with him. Now, as for Josh, like Josh is obviously 
really, really close with you, DJ. I've gotten close to him over the years. He technically didn't break the rules. I just want to address that right then and there. He technically didn't. But like you said, DJ, we made that rule thinking that it wouldn't be an issue. Now, he knows the rule now, so I can say this without ruining anything. If he didn't have any other plays besides that fading uh, fading Al, he would have forfeited. Like yep. we flat out, we flat out would not have let him compete because he and, didn't follow the rules. He technically followed the rules. Yep. But if he didn't, there would have been so much controversy when we told him, like, hey, dude, the minimum was 10. You didn't bet 10. Like Al's actually advancing. He would have blown that out of the water. We would have thought that a world war had started. Like he would have, oh, it would have been hilarious. It would have been great content. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. But again, rules are rules. He followed them, so there's nothing technically he did wrong. But just from a personal gambler like you and I, you know, we can make conclusions of what we personally think. And, you know, like I said, he legally he's okay, but sometimes you can be legal and do some shadier things, if that makes sense. Yeah, and another point I was going to make is I know for a fact that Josh in that – nine days span made more than three bets i guarantee you he did so why oh, he's texting us about them yeah right so yeah. why not use those bets that you're play, placing real money on for the contest like like i don't i don't get it yeah al had a really really tough week i think he would have if he would have played on i think he would have done better than minus 45 so was i disappointed in the way he made picks. Yes, I was. But like, but like you said, DJ, he's a smart guy. He's going to play the system and stuff like that. But I'm just going to tell you right now, Josh, if you're in the, the contest next year, I'm talking just number that popped in my head. I'm thinking a 30 minute, a 30 unit men. That's just the yeah. first number. Yep. First number that popped in my head. But yeah, he technically followed the rules, but I hope because I know he's going to listen to this because he listens to our podcast often. I hope he makes more plays in the few in the future rounds and if he doesn't we'll just have to see what happens but uh no a lot of controversy with that but he like i said he technically followed the rules was it ethical i think me and you dj agree probably not but it, it is it is what it is he advances and he is taking on uh tyler paulson in the final form yep yeah yeah i spot on let's just keep it moving because this next matchup i i want to set it up so just just explain who the matchup is, uh, what they finished, and then I want to tell the crazy story of how this ended, how this yes. matchup ended. Because I, yeah, this was this was an unbelievable ending. But between the three seed and the six seed, the number six seed Von Flute Choke upset the three seed Pace Meyer uh, by a score of plus three point four zero units to minus four point eight four units. So DJ, tell the story. So these guys were close like really close and it came down to the charles Oliveira and dustin poirier fight and they took opposite sides of the line so one took uh von flucho took Oliveira, and uh pace took dustin poirier and literally everything that had happened they had placed over i want to say um that von flucho was at like 80 ish units and, er, and Pace was at, like, a little higher, maybe, like, close to 100, maybe 150 units. So, and they were, at the end of the week, they were neck and neck in this one game, which is what we talked about. Like, I, I'm so excited for this type of thing to happen. And it happened. It actually happened in the first round. This one matchup decided the entire uh, round. 
And that fight was wild. Uh, you know, Oliver ended up winning. So Von Fluchoke won. So I did the math, right? And I just switched. Like, if Poirier had won and Oliveira lost, would they? Would it have actually been the other way? Would Pace have won? And Pace would have won. Um, yeah. So I did the math, and it would have been Von Fluchoke. It would have been, like, almost inverse units. Like, Pace would have been at plus 3.4, and Von Fluchoke would have been at, like, minus 4 is what it would have been. So it was wild. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that one literally decided the matchup. And just a wild ending. Like, literally, it's almost midnight, you know, because that's how late the UFC cards go. And the entire round is decided by one UFC fight. And it was crazy, and it was a wild fight. And both those guys are champions. They're, they're true gamblers. And they put on a clinic, honestly, because they, they both started off really cold. And uh, I think Von Fluchoke bounced back first, had a big day, and then Pace bounced back, like, the day before the end. And it was, a, it was hands down, probably the best matchup. Maybe, maybe. Uh, the DG Pumba Cakes one was pretty solid as well. But I think, hands down, that was the most electric matchup round one. It absolutely was. And I mean, we we were talking about how we thought a bunch of people were going to smack talk. I mean, these two were smack talk every day. Like I, like, I mean, we're talking like I'm tweeting Von Flute Chokes card and Pace is quoting it saying how bad the picks are. <laughs> Vice versa. Like I'll be tweeting Pace's card and like Von Flute Choke will be tweeting like his card. And stuff. And I remember like one day, I think Von Flute Choke, because he lost a lot of units, just said, I just want one play on the Syracuse game. And Pace goes, there's like 150 games, and this boy's only doing one pit play and stuff like that. Well, because I mean, it ended up being a loser, so he's like, this guy chooses the only loser in the car. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was great. And I mean, those two brought the energy. Shout out Pace. I knew he would be all for the idea. He was, and he brought it all out. But shout out to Von Flute Stroke just for the bounce back that he did. And just that that matchup in general was absolutely electric. And like I said, it came down to the very, very last fight. It was that was a fun matchup to watch. Yep, hands down, best matchup. And like I said, close second is this next matchup. We're gonna the last matchup we're gonna talk about. Um, but yeah, no, two guys that brought it every single day and they brought the energy, they brought the excitement, and yeah, very impressed. And like those two guys from here on out have to be involved in some way in getting an opportunity to be in the contest because they've earned their right to, if that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the last matchup of the elite eight between our two seed and our seven seed, the two seed DG bets defeated the seven seed Pumba cakes by a score of minus 4.04 units to minus 10.05 units. So DJ, what do you got for thoughts on this matchup? Yeah. I mean, this one was a lot closer than it seems. I mean, both guys had a chance to win and lose and DG found a way to get it done. DG, DG, the minus four is not an accurate representation. DG was, he's a good, he's a good gambler. I don't, he, 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 not in weird ways, but like non-orthodox ways, I guess. Like most people are betting just spreads and money lines uh, and over-unders. This guy's betting player props. He's betting dudes to score over points, under points. Like he does it all. And I love it. He's, he's so good at it. Um, And he, he, he's, he's a parlay master. Like I watched this dude pull off so many parlays and I'm like, God, this, I should have rode this. Why didn't I ride this? Like, this guy's a genius. Um, and it was just, a, it was a great matchup. And Pumbaa, I, I love that man. He's so funny. He, he's awesome. And he, he, you know, he tried his best. And DG just outperformed him. You know, a different week, I think Pumbaa wins. And in a different week, DG blows him out. And in a different week, Pumbaa blows him out. Like, it was a, it was a very even uh, matchup, especially given the two to seven seed. Uh, but, you know, DG, DG found a way to win. 
And I think Von Fluchoke is going to have his hands full this next week with uh, DG coming up. Nope, you you said it well. Again, shout out Pumba Cakes. We're glad to have him on. Like I said, one of the funnier one of the funnier guys I think I've met for like a first impression. So I'm glad to get him on. He did a lot of teasers. You know, I'm I don't think I've made a teaser bet in my life, but I mean he's a big teaser guy, and I was cool to see and then dg dg bets on the flip side is a big prop bet guy i mean he's huge in the prop bets and he, and he wins and the thing is dj and this might be controversial this might not be and for those of you that at the network that don't know him should get to know him because i sneakily think he might be one of the better betters at the network oh hands down um i like i said it's unorthodox it's not how most betters bet but this dude just finds a way to win like he finds winners he just he produces winners like the fact that he finished negative blows my mind uh because all i've seen from this dude is winners uh so yeah i i think hands if i had to vote right now i would vote he's the best on the network for sure yeah and and and, it, and i'm not saying that von flu choke is gonna we're not writing him off to lose right now but he's gonna have to work because like i'm telling you right now dg dg bets is a force to be reckoned with and like yeah. and, and like you said dj everyone at the network every single person really really good good at sports betting but i'm telling but i'm telling you right now then like people at the network they can come at us all they want and i'm sure they will after they hear this but i think dg bets might be the best one at the network yeah no no complaint no disagreements here kyle i, I think you're spot on dude I, I i've seen it firsthand dg knows his stuff yep that's for sure so like that's the recap of the elite eight. So we got a final four matchup. We got the one seed Tyler Paulson taking on the five seed Josh Campbell. And then we got the six seed Von Flute choke taking on the two seed DG bets before we wrap up the show. DJ, just any final thoughts about the final four. So this is going to come down to whether Tyler Paulson beats himself or not. Um, if, if he goes negative 20 soup's going to win because soups will place two, 10, five unit wagers, you know, hopefully going 500 uh, and it'll end, you know, negative, whatever the juice is. Um, but if Tyler can get hot and go plus units, it's going to put a lot of pressure on soup. And I, I think Tyler wins. If Tyler goes negative 20 soup's got it in the bag, like just the way soup strategy is he's got it in the bag. So this is strictly whether Tyler can win or not. Like if Tyler produces winners, he will win. And if he produces losers, he will lose. It's, it's strictly that it's not about what Josh does. Cause Josh is going to do his simple strategy and Tyler's Tyler's going to bet a decent amount of units. He did the first matchup. He's he, he's just a gambler. The dude's got all types of sports. I mean, he bet soccer, college basketball, college football, NFL. Like he did it all. Um, he did a little NHL in there. Like he literally did it all. Yeah. Like this guy, this guy's got it all. So he's going to, he's going to produce a lot of bets. It's just whether he gets hot or not. And I, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to get hot. So I, I like Tyler Paulson in this matchup. And then on the flip side, uh, Von Fluchoke, well-rounded, does a lot of things well, but like we just, just you know, went back and forth on. DG Betts is a force to be reckoned with, so I got to go. It, it's basic, but I'm going to go one and two seed are going to face each other in the final or in the championship or whatever you want to, I want to call it. Um, I got DG winning. Uh, sorry, Josh Dillon. Nothing against you, dude. You're a great handicapper, but DG's just, he's just good, man. So yeah, I, I, DG's going to win this one. Tyler's going to win his, and we're going to see an electric uh final four or not five. we're gonna see an electric final four and then we're also gonna see an electric championship but yeah what are your thoughts on the final four no i mean you took pretty much everything i was gonna say out of my mouth but uh no i i think that josh is gonna do his basic betting because that's the way he is and and i hope he proves us wrong i hope he comes in with a bunch of bets and stuff like that but i just don't think he will i think he'll do two five unit bets and just sit back and we'll see how 
Paulson does, but Paulson's been on a little bit of a heater lately. So we'll see if he continues that, but I do like Tyler Paulson in this matchup as well. And then the other side, like I said, Von Flute choke, nothing but respect for the man. I mean, the man knows the stuff about UFC. So like absolutely no disrespect there. He knows his stuff. And I think he's very, very well-rounded, but like I said, DG bets is an absolute force to be reckoned with. I think he's the best capper at the network. I think he knows stuff. If you don't follow him, I think he only has like 25 followers. You need to follow him because his plays will get you money. I promise you they will. So Definitely ride with him. I'm going DG bets as well. I also have a number one, number two seed in the, in the championship, but again, our hands are clean. You can see every single play they have and stuff like that. We're not going to favor any, everybody. We can even show you the spreadsheet. If you're going to fire back at us that we're uh, manipulating anything. So exactly pace. Yes, for sure. But, uh, so that'll do it. DJ, anything, anything else before we go to our promotions to wrap up the show? No, I'm excited to keep going and keep watching this contest and keep producing pods. You, do you remember what pod this even is, number-wise? 41. 41, the good 4-1. Yeah, let's let's rock and roll, dude. It's It's been a wild 2021 year. We started mid-January, and here we are. And I, I think this podcast is hands down better than our first 12. Like, I mean, 100%. we started off – yeah, we started off rough, and I think we've gotten a lot better. And I, I, hope, I hope everyone's enjoying the content. And – I'm we yeah I'm sure we'll take any feedback you have on anything to do with our podcast but other than that yeah you got anything nope nope it's been a it's been a fun year so far we got a lot of we got a really interesting show for the last week of the year so look forward to that but uh no let's just keep it rocking and looking forward to it to wrap up our show with the end of the show promotions uh as always check out our website at www.codasportscappers.com we got daily articles coming out from DG, from Dan, from PG, Pumbaa, all the, a bunch of guys in the network. We got uh, articles coming out, so be sure to check that out. Um, Von Flute Choke as well. And uh, be sure to follow our Twitter page, at Feud Gambling, where me and DJ will tweet out our cards as well as uh, everybody in the Final Four, all their plays. Uh, next Wednesday, our next podcast will be dropping at – uh on spotify and apple music so be sure to check that out and we got a lot of great podcasts going on the network so be sure to check them all out they're all on apple Podcasts and spotify we got the og podcast pace and beer us but currently right now josh campbell is hosting it but that's only gonna last i think a couple more episodes and then uh the high and inside podcast with dj alex long and jt we got the gabacho baracho soccer podcast with Corey adair don thomas miller and dan angel we got the College Football Central show covering all college football games on YouTube with DJ, myself, Pace, Bira, Soup, Dan, Corey, and I believe Pumba has been on an episode. And then we got the Throwing Bows podcast, our UFC podcast of the network with Josh Dillon and the Hind Inside boys, Alex and JT, have been on the show quite a bit. And then the Not Another College Triple podcast with Potato Gobbler. Be sure to check that out. And be sure to follow all our cappers on social media at Coda Capper Pace, at BRUS35, at Pumba Cakes, at Campbell D. Josh, at Dan Angel 11, at Cheapy Buttinger, at Bon Flu Choke, at DJ, DJ Corf 07, at Don Thomas Miller, and at Potato Gobbler. Our specific Twitters, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Comb Dog and DJ Wrap It Up for us. As always, for 41 episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at DJLow4422. Thank you for listening and tune in next week.